20 Schemes is the church planting ministry of Nidri Community Church in Edinburgh, Scotland and Redeemer Fellowship Church in Bardstown, Kentucky. I'm Mez McConnell and this is the 20 Schemes podcast. So I'm here with some lads from uh, different countries uh, around the world, these boys and others have been with me uh, this week. We've had a 20 Schemes weekender at Nidri Church um, and um, we, on the back end of that, we've had something that we're calling a Church in Our Places Intensive. And basically, Church in Our Places is an Acts 29 initiative where we are seeking to encourage, uh, train, resource uh, guys from around the world. Uh, someone just scraped their chair. Who was that? Guess who it was? Captain Liberia. Um, what, did I, what was I saying? <coughs> yeah, Church in Our Places, resourcing guys from different countries uh, around the world, particularly those who would maybe have limited access to um, support uh, and funding and just resources and training. So uh, I'm just going to let the guys introduce themselves um, briefly. Just tell us your name um, and where you're from, and then we'll, we'll get into a conversation. Uh, my name is Ronald Kogo from Nakuru, Kenya, Church Planting Covenant Baptist Church. All right, my name is Mario Menevo from Belleville South, Cape Town, South Africa. Uh, church we're planting is Reform Faith Mission Community Church. My name is Chris Brossett. I'm from Los Angeles, California, and I have been planting churches in Los Angeles for the last six years. Okay, cool. So let's just kick off with you, Chris, because um, <clears throat> your church plant has just come to an end, right? Correct. You've been through... Um, a difficult period with that. Yeah. Um, you don't have to get into the dead specifics, but tell us just a little bit about some of the issues, of, <coughs> some of the things that caused you to part ways with the plant, so to speak. Yeah, so we planted Refuge LA six years ago. Um, really basic, basically uh, after recognizing a need in our community. So uh, I grew up in that community um, and uh, a lot of the churches uh, in that community are, are either just ridden with poor theology, um, which kind of shapes some of the church experience in, uh, in Los Angeles, and uh, basically led somebody to Christ. He started um, a ministry at a local rehab in our community, and we had about 20 of these rehabbers coming to our church, which was at that time a suburban church, part of Acts 29 Network, and uh, they had a hard time assimilating. And so we, we basically kind of accidentally planted a church to meet their needs. Um, and I think uh, that caused us with, because we didn't, we didn't really know what we were doing or think through it, it caused us to kind of jump into things um, prematurely, I would say. And so um, after six years, a lot of the, the, the things that happened early on caught up to us. And so the best, um, the best description or illustration I can and really give to kind of explain the experience is we got sent out with a leaky ship. And so we had a, a small, a, more like a, a small little dinky boat that had leaks in it. And uh, as we kept going and as we kept picking up people and more and more people came into the boat, it just kept sinking faster and faster. And so uh, we came to a place where um, after six years, um, we, we lost some key resources, which caused us to lose um, one of our pastors who was doing a phenomenal job at 
much of the organizational leadership and helping us build out infrastructure. And so we, we basically, after six years, came to a decision to say, um, after losing him, is it, is it, is it feasible? Is it, is it, is it, or is it healthy to, to keep going in the same way? And so basically, um, with him gone, that would have meant all of the kind of weight of the ministry coming back onto me uh, when we were at a size where it just was unsustainable. And so we realized we could, um, that, number one, that God's not asking uh, any of us to, to kill ourselves for his mission. Um, and so we, we, we learned a lot and we said, you know what, um, it's, un it's, it's unhealthy to continue forward without the capability and capacity to, to really meet the needs of people. So we had people coming, we had people meeting Christ, but we didn't have the ability to meet their needs. And so um, we decided to, to, to end well before it, um, before it started sinking even more. <laughs> Okay, so yeah. well, I, I want to come back to some of the problems you face in a minute, yeah. but I just want to just bring some of the other guys in, because yeah. this is a shorter one than normal, because we're pushed for time. But Mario, you, uh, how long have you been involved in the church you're currently with now? Five years. Okay, and prior to that, were you a pastor or a planter, or is this yes. your first church? No, it's, this is the fourth church. Ah, okay. So uh, prior to this one, we were busy planting a church in Kimberley, which is in the middle of South Africa. <laughs> okay. Um, I'm busy with that church plant. Uh, so my brother was actually the one that we called or that we said, look, there's no, no gospel witness, good, healthy church in Balboa South. Um, so we asked him, look, don't you want to start a church there? And we will have oversight over it. Yeah. Um, so I basically just then moved um, from Kimberley because we've got a, an elder there that could come with the church um, from Kimberley to help him with the, with the church plant. So when I got to, to Balboa South, that church basically was no longer, there was nothing. Everybody left at one Cape person. Flats, Cape Flats. Cape well, yeah. So every, everybody lo um, left because it was not a prosperity type thing where people just want to hear what they want to hear. Um, so you were a prosperity preacher, right? Yes. I used to be a prosperity preacher. Um, so what brought you out of that then? Uh, just basically the... I got, I got basically very confused and just distorted with, with, with everything that, that this whole ministry was all about. <coughs> so people were making much of me, um, putting me on a pedestal, I mean, all of those things. Um, and I could feel some, some sort of power and control over people when I did that, mm -hmm. when I was preaching prosperity gospel and miracle crusades, those kind of things. But when I would go <coughs> home, I could not pray. I could not read my Bible. I, it, I was alone, I felt like a fraud, I felt like there was no God, really, that this, all of this is just tricks and that kind of thing. Yeah. So it became a very personal thing after the, you know, the hype was not there um, for me, it wasn't sustainable for me. I, I am a relational person. And so this whole prosperity thing puts you on a pedestal that makes you alone as a man of God. Nobody wants mm. to be a friend to a man of God, mm. you know. Um, and then I just walked away from the faith um, and started basically longing for a real authentic relationship with the Lord. And the, for about a year and a half, was in the world. And then the Lord snatched me out of that. And I knew what I had now and what's happening. I could not go back to that. Yeah. So uh, I, I was still in Cape Flats at that time, but I could not go back to that. So I basically ran away from Cape Town to Kimberley to get rid of all of that because if people now knew 
Mario is back with the Lord, all of that stuff would start again, mm -hmm. and I didn't want that. So going back to Kimberley, started evangelizing, and basically, long story short, put on, wanted to know what is the real gospel. Did a Google search, up came a sermon of Paul Washer, which just put everything in perspective for me. And that's where my life changed. Paul Washer's bl blessed a lot of people with that sermon, hasn't he? Yeah, yeah. So, Ronaldo, yeah. tell us about you, you, uh, your church, just <coughs> a little bit about your ministry. Uh, my church is in Nakuru, we have just planted. Okay, uh, how long? Three months, two months back, Wow, since okay, July. so very new, right? Very, very new. Um, but it's not the first experience uh, we need for the last two, so this will be the third one. Praise the Lord. Amen. Uh, the Lord is blessing us, we are grateful, uh, we, are, we are seeing fruit already. In the few uh, months we have been there, we, the Lord has converted a few people. We have had uh, a few baptisms, around 13 people we have baptized. And uh, <coughs> we are continuing to labor for the Lord. Okay, good. And now you guys have been here. I, I know, Chris, you're not on the Church in Our Places um, program, but you should think about it. Um, but you've been, you spent a weekend with us now, three or four, uh, a bit longer than that, but you've been through a, a weekend, which is our teaching weekenders. Have you got uh, any takeout from that? Has it been completely irrelevant? Has there been some relevance for, just for you guys? What, I'll start with you, Chris. Any takeouts from the weekender? Yeah, I think, uh, I think one of the big things for me, I think it, there was a lot, there was, I think, some affirmation um, in the sense of, uh, some uh, ability to identify with, with, with some of the struggles and being able to see um, what it actually looks like to, to, to create um, really a healthy infrastructure to, to work in, in difficult, difficult communities. And so I think it's been, I think it's been really helpful to, um, to not feel like I, like I was crazy, you know? I think when you're planting in, yeah. in, in hard communities and you're isolated, sometimes it feels like, man, am I crazy? Am I imagining this, you know? And so I think being in a, being in a place where you see uh, tons of the same, um, really just challenges and, and being able to see the way that you guys have addressed them has been, it's been really helpful. And it's been, um, I would say, um, it, it's been helpful to be able to identify and realize like, Man, like th this was really, this is real hard stuff, you know. So yeah, okay, bro. Yeah. Mario. Well, for me, um, first of all, just being among people that understands you, mm -hmm. because when you're in a hard place like where we are, where there's gangsterism, all those kind of things, um, usually the the churches that you would think or see as healthy would be the ones not in your community. Mm -hmm. So you don't have somebody you can relate to or speak to. Um, and usually when you speak about the things you go through uh, with suburban churches, they become cheerleaders to you. Mm -hmm. And they're not really a help to you mm -hmm. because they can't relate to them. They don't understand the issues. So coming here on this weekend and especially listening to the testimony of some, having conversations with some of the guys, and, and, and then also seeing the deep theological depth, mm -hmm. you know, that these guys have, even though they don't have <coughs> education and all those kind of things, that's just a blessing. Because um, usually people would look at churches like ours <coughs> where there are people in the community that didn't have any education. They would not even think that these people understand anything about any theological thing, mm -hmm. you know. Um, but to see that, knowing that, see that they understand it and that they are living this, that's just a blessing. So you're not alone. There's people like you that understand you 
and that's an encouragement. Because let's get it right, we are, compl we are nothing like your communities, like particularly you, Mario, we're nothing like, there's no, I mean, there's gangsterism around here, but there's no guns and yeah. all the madness you have to face. And mm -hmm. we're very different on the surface, yet I think what people often don't appreciate, particularly when they first come, are actually underneath the surface, there's lots of similarities. Yes, yes. Um, I think so people see the nice houses because it looks different in Africa and yeah. think, this, actually, this isn't a hard place. Yeah. <laughs> but actually, it's, there's, there's lots of difficulties, right? Yep. Ronaldo, what about you? What have you taken away? Oh. If anything. I think the, I, I loved the fact that, you know, even through the preaching, the sessions, people who are handling those sessions who are talking about practical issues, they have gone through the very difficulties mm -hmm. they are encouraging others in. So it's not like somebody is talking about things he has not experienced himself. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, when you think about his work called Who Williamson, was talking about, you know, how he Biggie had... And, yeah. Biggie and all these big ideas he had and how he was about even to give up. You know, it, it shows <coughs> you that even us who are laboring, we face those same situations. But to hear their brothers who have faced them and yet they have continued to hold on, they have been encouraged by others, such a great encouragement that ministry is not about only theology, you know, in their head, but, you know, real experiences. People are going through tough times, but yet they remain to be faithful to the Lord. Yeah. So now one of the problems we have in the UK is that there's a real class division in our culture. And um, the, ch the evangelical church is by and large quite affluent, very middle class educated people. And lots of our schemes that we call them here that you, we've introduced you to are council estates, projects, um, are not reached by the traditional uh, main, mainline churches. And it's, a it's been a real battle for us to get the church to take our communities as serious mission fields. Have you faced any of the same struggles in your ministries? Chris, have you come across that? Yeah, I think um, the thing that's different about Los Angeles um, is uh, Alan Hirsch talk. I think I heard Alan Hirsch say something uh, about how it was hard for him to understand Los Angeles until he saw it as a small country. Mm -hmm. And I think um, one of the things that's, that's different about our city is, is, is it's not it's not segregated with poor over here, rich over here. It's all stacked on top of each other and it's intermingled and integrated. And so you can have million dollar homes next to the projects and it, and it gives an appearance of um, maybe a diversified community socioeconomically, um, but really uh, everything's kind of stacked within each other. So they, they might have an apartment building that's half, half of its government and half of it is uh, rented out and it could be, it, it, you just don't know. And so what that does um, it is be the same here in this community. Really? Yeah. And so what happens is you, you don't really um, I, I don't think people really understand the dynamics of people living in the same proximity, but culturally being different. And so I think um, uh, so it's hard to get people to understand, I think, sometimes, hey, these issues are, are um, well, actually, the way that you relate to these people are different. Right. And so, and LA is also like a commuter city, like, so you can live in this part of the community, hang out in this part of the community and all these different things. And so it, it makes it very, it's, it's a constant moving pieces. And so getting people to understand 
hey, like, you, you have to pay attention to people who aren't like you, right? And so in L.A., I mean, L.A. was, was one of the, the, the birthplaces of gangs, right, and gang culture. And partly because I think one of the reasons that is is because it's such um, an integrated city like that, it's a city built on subculture, right? And so because communities are, are they're not, like, segregated, and I mean, there's partly some of that, but what happens is people hang out with people who are like them, um, to find an affinity because everything is just so stacked on top of each other. So to get people to understand like, hey, you can't just, you know, the, the comment, like just preach the gospel. It's like, yeah, but man, some of these things, there's barriers to the gospel that are coming out based on um, what you might call gospel and really might just be um, really just an appropriation of your culture, right? And so getting other churches to understand that is, has been difficult, yeah. Mm -hmm. But the Flatsy is much more segregated, isn't it, really? Well, or, or am I wrong about that? I've been, I mean, I've been to Cape Flats, yeah. and it just seems like it's the, the I, I've drove through the rich areas, and the Cape Flats is they're very distinct areas. Right? Yeah. So, <coughs> so in our area, in Belva South, we we would call it also a scheme. Okay. So there will be low cost housing there, yeah. and flats like the projects. Yeah. Um, and our, our people in our community are very territorial, so the people in the community would basically look after people in the community. Yeah. Um, which the bad side of that is um, if somebody, everybody knows who the bad guys are and they will protect the bad guys yeah. from any outside, the cops would come in, whatever the case might be. Um, so violence, all those things happens. I mean, you could walk any day of time down the street and see a man beat up a woman or a woman beat up a man or whatever the case might be and nobody will interfere even though they will know them, it could be a family member, because that's their business. And if you come interfere, then it becomes our business. Mm -hmm. You get what I'm oh, saying? Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's exactly the same here, brother. So yeah, so that's the kind of dynamic you get. Um, but in that community, people would be living there forever. So it's not people don't move into our communities <coughs> because of that protective layer. Mm -hmm. And people don't go out because um, of that protective layer. And because of the economical situation, people are poor, they don't have jobs, they're unemployed, they sell drugs. That's how they make their lives. And gangs rule certain pockets of the community. Um, so that's basically how it is. So what the churches has done, but our community again, unlike here, I've seen here, you find people that are unchurched. In our community, very religious. Mm -hmm. So yeah. almost everyone in our community has been to a church, to a Sunday school, has been uh, knows about Jesus, but the concept of God is, you know, he's the guy that does the good things for us mm. if we tick off certain boxes, you know, mm. um, but we, we, you know, we need to survive, yeah, and nobody actually thinks that they will go to hell anyway, because nobody feels that they are that bad. Mm. I mean, just an example, one of the guys that we know is a contract killer, that we, we, we share the gospel with that guy, he will agree, but if you ask him, so do you, think, do you think that God will actually allow you in his heaven? Of course. You know, even though he killed people, he still thinks he's going to go to heaven one day. Hmm. And so you've got a, a gospel that, that is not the gospel at all. Um, you've got a gospel that says, I mean, even though you're a prostitute, as long as you, you know, you, you, God knows it's your job, you have to look after your kid. Um, if you're a drug dealer, God knows you need to make some money. He understands you, you know. Um, as long as you come now and then to church, that kind of thing, that you, you're okay. Mm -hmm. So there's no real gospel in, in our communities. 
And so why, why do you think it, like, theologically conservative churches, regardless of you know, denomination, but guys who trust the Bible, understand the gospel, understand the need to preach the gospel to sinners, why do you think they're so slow to support work and ministries in our communities? Ah, that's a good question to ask. I've been trying to ask myself that question. <laughs> because it's true, uh, isn't it? People go, well done, praise the Lord, we're glad you're doing it. Yeah. But that's about it. That's, yeah, that's about it. And I, I think part of it is also, uh, like for instance, if, if, if you take some of our guys to, to a conservative church, it would be nice the first and second time maybe. But you wouldn't want that guy with all the tattoos, with the, you know, he's a little bit rough around the edges, you know, the way he speaks, a bit aggressive. You want him as a member in your church, though. Mm. Uh, you know, so um, it's nice to talk about him and to have him there. Uh, so I don't know why, what would be the reason why they would not want to really give into that. I do believe they pray for us. Um, but, yeah, I, I really don't know. Do you, um, do you think, is the question, um, is the question, like, why do they not want to? Or is it, why are they reluctant to do it themselves? Or because I feel like, I mean, I've encountered people who, who, who desire and care to, but I think, yeah, if you could just kind of clarify. Yeah, I mean, all of that. The, one of the big struggles we have here is getting British churches to see communities like ours in Britain as legitimate mission fields. Yeah. So they'll prepare to go off and be a missionary somewhere else. That's yeah. amazing, praise the Lord. But as soon as you say, well, why don't you give up all you yeah. have and move into our communities? And yeah. That's pretty cool. I think... Oh, the comfort. <laughs> yeah. You, so you're talking about moving into our community? Both, supporting. Yeah. So, uh, listen, I've been around planting for 20 years. Yeah. And it's, been, it's very sexy right now. But <laughs> very little of it. Yeah. In, in the UK, I can't speak to your context, but in, in my context, and I, I think I know what you're going to say, very little of it financially, resources, is going into our ends. That's right. Uh, of the spectrum. I so think there's that, yeah. and then there's the individual. Person. I think there's. A, I think a big reason is. Um, I think it might. It might be hard for people to admit um, that that really um, elements of access. Uh, so so you, you think of what what communities, either middle class or suburban or or more wealthier communities, have culturally. Um, the access that they have to theological education. The access that they have. Um, to resources, that, uh, which 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 gives people an opportunity per se to, um, to to so so you think it's almost like might uh, might empower uh, signifies health, right? And so so because we have the access, because we have power, because we have the money, it's almost as if we're the standard. And so I think what happens is uh, we, we got to admit um, one of the one of the most brilliant things that I think God has given us is His Word, um, and 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 in, and especially in an age and in a culture where information is all over the place and things are being thrown around, it's like you see God's brilliant plan to to give us His Word, um, but but the thing about the Word is you have to read it, <laughs> and the thing about the Word. Um, is you have to think through it and process it. And I think uh, in, in impoverished communities, um, education is not a big thing. And it's not like, edu it's not like education 
um, makes uh, the gospel more accessible per se, um, but I, I think there's elements of, of being able to be educated that um, allow you to, um, to really have access to, 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 to theological education and also access to resources. And so some of these ministries are, are um, some of these ministries have not only access to theological education and they're, they're working through certain things and they've, and, they, and, 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 they've, and they've got to a certain level, but they've also had access culturally um, to, 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 to move up the ladder of success in society, which then puts them in a position where I think they feel almost as if, as if we're the standard. And so I think it's, it's uh, and, and then now they've found ways to then um, appropriate the gospel to their culture and, and, and really uh, a cultural, uh, a, a really a cultural, ex what, what, what is really just a cultural expression of the gospel has been equated with gospel. So now you go into a community that's different that might, um, like I think, I think uh, some middle class and, and highly Western communities value control. Right, and so we want to control the output of our information. We want to control what you think of me. We want to—I can pay for control. I can—I I can just control everything around me, right? And so, so, it, so, so you have this these conversations that are built around. Uh, if I come to you and I share vulnerability or something, it's already—I'm sharing with you what I want you to hear, right? Because it—because I'm controlling your opinion of me. So there's this value of control. Now you go into the hood. Um, people don't—they don't really care as much. Right, and so now they're just gonna tell you everything they feel. Now, because this is a cultural value here of control, and here this isn't the same cultural value, this, this cultural value may be something like authenticity. And now when this person is authentic, this person doesn't know how to deal with that and says that's unhealthy, right? Because it doesn't match my cultural value. That happens all the time. All the time. Mario. Yeah. yeah. Uh, look, for just an example, for instance, if I, if I invite you for coffee, say let's, let's have a coffee, I'm actually inviting you to my house, yeah. in my home. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, um, mm -hmm. But if you invite me for coffee, you have good coffee, we're going to a restaurant mm -hmm. away from your house. You, you get what I'm saying? So that, that kind of uh, community mm -hmm. vulnerability, you getting into my face, in my space, um, that's, that's protected with, with many of the, of the of guys outside of a community. Um, Another example I can make, if we sit just like this now, uh, one of our church members might be there and I ask her, so how's, how's things with, with, with Bob, maybe your husband? She's not going to tell me, no, he's okay. She's going to tell me, no, you know what he did last night? He did this, that, that, that. And she's not going to care whether I know you and you and you and you. Yeah. I just asked her a question. That would be totally inappropriate yeah. in, a, in a different setting if it's a you know, middle class type of yeah, I talked uh, about social cues in my talk about yeah. picking up on social cues. Yeah, yeah so, so, so those kind of things. And, and when you talk about um, somebody from middle class moving into our community, what they will definitely see is this is going to be dangerous. It might be foolish. What about my kids? They're going to break into my house. All of those things that they are already afraid of when they look at our, our people. I mean, it's our people that break into their houses anyway. <laughs> So uh, th those kind of things are there. So it is really a, s uh, a stepping out of your comfort zone uh, yeah. if you're coming to our communities. I think it's a failure to acknowledge that they've been tainted by culture. Okay, it's interesting. What do you think, Ronaldo? Yeah, I do agree with what the brothers are saying. Um, <clears throat> but also I do think maybe 
God's power is people have not come to understand that uh, mm. as we talk about the Great Commission, I think also we have laid boundaries or barriers mm. or we have made demarcations like we think we have it, others they don't <coughs> need it. And as he has said, you know, it has been made like because this is our standard, uh, we deserve to have this. Uh, but, but in reality, it's also a lack of understanding why the Lord has given us this gospel. Because if you read the Bible, Jesus is very clear to us, you know, the poor will always be there with us. And so uh, I think, you know, it's the heart, the attitude towards what, you know, how those we call probably in the middle class, how they look at the, the, the poor. Probably they, they see them, they should not have the gospel. Uh, my, my, although, as we talk like that, although I would say, personally, when I'm, when I'm seeing in Nairobi, for example, I'm coming from in Kenya, there is a sort of a shift. It's not like as it used to be like, nobody wants to go to the poor. I think more and more there are people who have realized they are people who are more receptive to the gospel than even these other cultures. So there are people going in, but although, as Mario says, the fear is still there, mm -hmm. you know. Yeah. We will be mugged, we will be beaten up. Uh, I remember there's a brother who was asking me one time, you know, why did you move to a certain place? Why do you have to live in, in the midst of those people? Are you not fearful <coughs> of your life? So, yes, you are, but ultimately also I think we are burdened differently to reach people. Uh, and, and probably, as I see that burden to reach certain people with the gospel, others are not burdened the same way. And all you know, sometimes, as, as the brother said, it comes also to comfort. There's no comfort among the poor. No. No. It's a big idle comfort. I yeah. think we talked about that the week yeah. ago yeah. as well. I remember, um, I think I was, I, Tony Merida was saying last week when you were extra tonight, you know, be ready, if you're going to go to the poor, be ready to sleep when one of your eyes is open. Because, you know, you don't know what's going to happen, but yet they need to hear the gospel. With these conversations, we're trying to expose some of the issues we experience in our ministries. We hope that with honest and frank conversations, we can begin to open up on some of the hard realities of church planting and revitalisation in schemes and council estates around the UK. In fact, even around the world. In this spirit, these conversations will be published completely uncut.